0: We'll be dividing our Bible portion of our lesson this evening into about four or five parts, as we usually do, but we'll be approaching this a little bit differently. This is a topical study this evening. Now... We read last week from Peter, 2 Peter 1 and verse 3, that through the apostles, God has granted unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So if there is something out here in life, the Bible has some guidance for us. It may not be direct. Knowledge toward it, but it, there are principles always there. And so, because of our knowledge of the truth, and what I assume to be for all of us a conviction regarding the truth, we have to tackle, tackle topics that we'd rather not tackle. But because of the push from our world, the push from society, then the Lord would have us, he would have us to tackle topics. To not transgender. Transgender. What is a transgender person? Let me tell you. A transgender person is one who, in a biological way, is one gender, but who wants to be identified and classified, known as a person of the other gender. This ideal is sin, it's being pushed heavily upon us. Everything that is major in our world is pushing this agenda. Everything. Every business, every business, every collegiate professional team, if they were pushed down to it, they would side with the transgender agenda. Every one of them. Everything in entertainment, Everything in media, everything is pushing this right at us. And I don't have to tell you that, you know this. And so, we must address these things. And we've got to be ready as followers of the lowly Nazarene. We've got to be ready to, to say to people, here's what the Bible says. Here's what it says. Probably, I think it was back in 2015, that this man by the name of Bruce Jenner said he wanted to be known as Caitlin. And so, because he started in that direction, then ESPN decided they would get him an award for... Bravery and Courage. The Arthur Ashe Award for Bravery and Courage. For some people, that would just end it for ESPN. That's pathetic. And then not long after that, Target. You go to Target? Target decided in response to this, that their restrooms would be open to no matter who. No matter. Even if you become a transgender, you're welcome. You're welcome. Just make yourself at home. That's pathetic. That's pathetic. And then... There's so many venues now are just coming out and freely supporting, pushing it right at us. And we have probably been too quiet on this, but generally Christian people are not looking for a fight. They aren't looking for a conflict. They're simply trying to be quiet people, serving Christ and hoping that they can influence others to go along with them. We can't be quiet. We've got to speak up because these matters are not just inconvenient. This is an attack upon God, not just upon the country. That's bad enough. This is an attack upon God and the Bible. That's what it is. Right here under this section, entertainment, Hallmark movies are now an engine of LGBT moral revolution. In fact, Hallmark has released, I think, or is about to release a holiday movie called The Christmas House, where the storyline is following the LGBT movement. Hulu also has a holiday movie coming out called The Happiest Season, and it has as its storyline following two who are homosexuals. On HBO, there's a new documentary that follows a, it's called Transhood. It shows a mother declaring her four-year-old son is now a girl. And so the list just goes on and on of the depravity But it's not just there. It's being pushed our way. Being pushed upon us. And no matter whether you're talking about public education, or you're talking about politics, or whether you're talking about business, or whether you're talking about media, every single one of no matter who you talk about in these different areas are standing with this agenda. And I just find it a little bit not only sad, but I think it's it's calling upon us to talk about it. And to arm ourselves with the proper knowledge. Now As I said a moment ago, we're going to divide our learning into four sections. Now, the liberals will say, they will say that a person's gender is decided by that person's thoughts, feelings, and desires. Uh, Bruce Jenner, he said, I just feel more like a, a lady than I do a man that was his propelling force. Well, God has something very different to say about this. And Mr. Jenner should have changed his mind and not his body. The first section of our lesson will be on God's creation. God's creation. Let's think about that for a minute. And we'll look at several scriptures together, God's creation. Before we get to the particular verses I've got in mind, I want to give a couple of summary statements. When you look at God's creation, it's very obvious that gender is determined by the time or at the time when a child is born. Gender is determined at the time when a child is born. With the accompanying anatomy that is there with the child, the physical features that are there with the child when he or she is born, that determines his or her gender. And from that determination, from those physical features, then flows the different classifications and identities and social roles and and psychological thoughts that go with that person. That's just the way God uh, designed it. When God created the world, he declared that he was not only ruler of all things, but also he had a purpose for all these things, including people, including people. Now when God created human beings, He created them with design. He created them with the idea that humans would exist in one of two genders. And those two genders would be complementary toward each other. In other words, they would, they would gel together in exactly the way God wants that to happen. physically, Emotionally, socially, spiritually, God intended for male and female to blend together. He created us to be one of the two, and that was determined at birth. You remember God saying in Genesis 2 and verse 18, it's not good that the man should be alone, I'll make a helpmate for him. That's God telling us how he created man one of two genders, and those two genders would be able to blend together. In First Peter 3, 7, you know, the instruction to husbands is, husbands, dwell with your wives according to knowledge, giving honor unto her as unto the weaker vessel. Of blending together. That's how God designed us. And then when God created man... He said, I'm going to make man, in my image, male and female. So the statement right next to the very important phrase, in my image, the statement next to that is, I'm making them male and female. So let's look at some verses uh, together. We'll start in Genesis and run up through several verses. Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. Verse 26, God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness. Let them have the dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. God blessed them. Notice Genesis 128, God blessed them. God said to them, be fruitful. And multiply. Well, there's no problem with that because God designed male and female to come together and be able to be fruitful and multiply. Okay. So in Genesis chapter 1, and then move over to Genesis chapter 3, and notice in God's judgment, after sin has come into the world, notice Genesis 3 and 16, To the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband. And he shall rule over you. So notice the distinction that God makes very carefully there in Genesis 3.16. Notice Genesis 3 and verse 20. The man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of the mother of all living. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins, and he clothed them. Notice Genesis 4, beginning in verse 1. Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again she bore his brother Abel. Abel was a keeper of the sheep. Look down to Genesis 4 and verse 17. Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Enoch. Notice Genesis 4 and verse 25. Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and called his name Seth. For she said, God has appointed for me another offspring instead of Abel, for Cain killed him. To Seth also a son was born, and he called his name Enosh. At that time people began to call upon the name of the Lord. Chapter 5. Verse 1, this is the book of the generations of Adam. When God created man, he he made him in the likeness of God, male and female. Genesis 5 verse 2, male and female. He created them and he blessed them and named them man uh, when they were uh, created. Genesis chapter 5. Flip over with me to Genesis chapter 17. Notice just real quickly the instruction to Abraham regard to circumcision. This, pick up in verse 10, Genesis 17 verse 10, This is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and your offspring after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You shall circumcise, you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. But God in this covenant He's making is making is noticing the distinction between a man and a woman. Turn over to Genesis chapter 21. Notice um, Abraham and Sarah. Notice Genesis 21 and verse 7. Sarah said, Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would have nursed children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. Notice it's not Abraham who would be able to bear the son, but Sarah in her old age was able uh, to do that. Turn over to Leviticus chapter 12. Of course, there are many more than this, but just noticing the different things that God did that showed the distinction between both male and female. Genesis 12 verse 1 and 2, the Lord spoke to Moses Say and speak to the people of Israel saying if a woman conceives and bears a male child then she shall be unclean seven days. Okay. Notice verse 5. But if she bears a female child then she shall be unclean two weeks. Two weeks after a female child. Just a simple distinction that God made in, in those days. Look over as we turn through the, New, the Old Testament. Look over to 1 Samuel chapter 1 And notice verse just simply verse twenty three. This is about Hannah Samuel. I'll just start in verse twenty one. First Samuel one twenty one. The man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice and to pay his vow. But Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, "As soon as the child is weaned, is weaned I will bring him, so that he may appear in the presence of the Lord and dwell there forever." Elkanah her husband said to her, "Do what seems best to you. Wait until you have weaned him. Only may the Lord establish your word." So the woman remained and nursed her son until she had weaned him. And when she had weaned him, she took him up with her, along with her, along with a three-year-old bull and an ephah of flour and a skin of wine. And she brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. Notice way over with me to Isaiah chapter 44. Isaiah 44, in verse 24, just one little verse here, but I think it's powerful. Isaiah 44, 24, thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, who formed you from the womb. Who formed us from the womb? The Lord formed us from the womb. It used to be that what the Lord did made a difference in people's mind. That that was something sacred. It still is. Just not in people's minds. But it should be. What the Lord did, what the Lord set up uh, should be sacred. A couple of New New Testament passages in regard to God's uh, creation, First Timothy chapter 5, 13 and 14, as Paul is discussing younger women, younger widows, and instead of them going about from house to house and becoming gossips and toddlers, he says, I would that they would marry and bear children. Marry and bear children. Galatians 4 verse 4 says, In the fullness of time, what does that verse say? About the fullness of time. What happened in the fullness of time right in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son born of a woman, born of a woman. so those are just a few passages you might want to write down first Timothy two fifteen as well, talking about the distinctions between man and woman, the abilities that a woman has that a man does not have and and vice versa. Now, let's remember, God created man and woman, male and female. He intended for human beings to exist in one of two genders. And he created them in that way, especially he knew what he was doing. He knew that his work would get done in a better way if men and women created homes. And they worked together to bring up godly children God knew what he was, definitely knew what he was doing. God was not only ruler over all that he created, but he purposed what he created. Everything that he created had a particular purpose, including the way he created man and woman, male and and female. Creation of God. Think about that first statement we made also. How that from the very beginning of when a child is born that that child comes into the world with certain physical features it's really a remarkable creation it's not a miracle it's not a miracle because it's natural it's the way God set the world up and from that point on, there's really never been a problem throughout most generations and most civilizations of who is who. But can you believe that people are having trouble? He destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah when they changed things. Yes, yeah, Mike's saying he destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah when they changed these very, the very nature of these types of things. And there's no reason that God would not do the same with any nation, whether it be modern or ancient or future. All right, go
1: ahead you okay. Six to eight weeks, the differentiation begins, and it's visible low silencing at 10
0: weeks. So, so actually, in the womb, the differences are able to be seen as early as 10 weeks. but the chromosomes are there at conception. So Sheila's saying that what transgender folks would say is that there is, they would look at this as a birth defect, that they were defected at birth, and so therefore they've got to set about to change that. What would you say, Mary? The thing is, is respect, and the way God set it up um, for us is a thing of respect, you know, and, um, but this is an anti-God movement, it's it's anti-Bible movement, so they don't want to talk about that. Now, we would admit that everybody is different in the sense of being tempted in different ways. Uh, what tempts one person uh, to sin or to have fleshly desires is going to be different for another person. Okay, but that doesn't mean that you just disrespect uh, how God made you. It means you work. That's why we have the Bible. Okay, the Bible shapes our mind and uh, puts us on the path that we need to be on. Okay. But appreciate these good uh, comments. Appreciate. Very much. Um, let's move to our second part, and that is that God wants these differences maintained in every in every society, in every culture. God wants these differences to be maintained between male and female. These differences. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 22. Uh, with me, and as you turn over there, remember Romans 15:4 says that the things written aforetime are written for our learning. We stress quite a bit that the Old Testament Mosaic law is not our salvation code today, but God wants us to go back here and learn about him, about his feelings, about his nature, and how he thinks about things. And So a lot of times when you go back into these Old Testament pages, you find out some things about God's thoughts. So Deuteronomy 22 verse 5 A woman shall not wear a man's garment, nor shall a man put on a woman's cloak. For whoever does these things is an abomination. Notice that word. I've always heard that word since I was real little. I've always been scared of it. But whoever does these things is an abomination uh, to the Lord. It simply means deplorable, uh, despicable, this is Deuteronomy 22, verse 5. Deuteronomy 22, verse 5. A woman shall not wear a man's garment, nor shall a man put on a woman's cloak, for whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord your God. Okay. And I think we know what the word abomination means. I always think of uh, Sylvester the cat on the Looney Tunes. love that word despicable. and. That's what this is. It's disp- in the God's eyes, this is despicable. Just the clothing, just the clothing is despicable to God. What do you think he thinks about the change of these other matters? And so the second part is, it's just a short part, but it's an important part. And it plays into this discussion. That God wants these standards, these differences, to be maintained in every uh, society. Paul hints at this in 1 Corinthians 11. 1 Corinthians 11. Uh, let's say um, verse 12. Let's start at verse 12. 1 Corinthians eleven, twelve. For as a woman was made for man, so man is now born of woman. And all things are from God. Judge for yourselves, it is proper for a wife to pray to God with her head is it proper for a wife to pray to God with her head uncovered? Does not nature itself teach you that if a man wears long hair it is a disgrace for him, but if a woman has long hair it is her glory, for her hair is given to her for a covering so there you go. So that that also is a hint but of God's um, heart toward the differences that are to be maintained between uh, the two genders. So, first part, God's creation. That's fundamental. That's fundamental. And then the the second part is the the, uh, differences in in every culture. And the third part is mutilation. Mutilation. Uh, What does God think about A person doing elective cutting on his or her body. Well, he doesn't like it. Again, Leviticus chapter 19 to find out. Leviticus 19 and look at uh, verse 28. Uh, just simply says, you shall not make any cuts on your body for the, for the dead or to tattoo yourselves for I am the Lord. This is, this is part of the practice of the heathen nations. God is warning his people not to become part of their practices, their godless practices. A godless practice would be that you are electing to cut yourself for some, for some moral or religious purpose. Deuteronomy fourteen one and two has a similar instruction there. You remember in First Kings um, eighteen, I believe it is that you know Elijah has this contest with the prophets of Baal, and the prophets of Baal are calling upon their god, their false god, but they begin to cut themselves. Begin to cut themselves. In Mark chapter five, first several verses, there uh, Jesus will eventually uh, cast a demon out of a man, but this man is is living among the tombs. Living in a cemetery, and part of his um, part of his demon possession was that he would be cutting on his flesh, cutting on his body. We know that the uh, New Testament teaches that we honor God by uh, taking care of our bodies. We we're taught in 1 Corinthians 6:19 that that um, the um, our bodies is a temple of the Holy Spirit which we have from God. And we are not ourselves. We've been bought with a price. Therefore glorify God uh, in your body. In your body. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice to God. Romans 12, verse 1. Turn with me to Ephesians 5 and notice that um, Paul talks about husbands loving their wives. And he says, uh, here's how he explains it. Ephesians five twenty eight. In the same way, husbands, you should love your wives as your own bodies. He that loves his wife loves himself. For no one hates his own flesh, but nourishes his body and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church and just as you should do with your wife and your husband. So you take care of your body. You don't mutilate it for any purpose. Not in an elective way. You know what I mean when I say that. Now, in the Bible, you won't find the phrase sex change operation, but every step that would lead to that and that procedure itself is condemned in the Bible. The Bible would denounce every step that would lead uh, to that procedure or any type of procedure in that way. And then, from our studies, and this is our fourth part of our study. It's obvious that God has made male and female. He's made us as sexual creatures, sexual people. The big question in the world, it's not a question for us, but how is that sexuality to be expressed? Well, Jesus was asked about this in Matthew 19, Verse 3 and 4. And of course, he takes us back to the creation. Have you not read that he who made them in the beginning made them male and female and said, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and the two shall be one flesh. Wherefore, they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man put asunder. So, it's obvious to us and to the scriptures it's Obvious from scripture that the expression of sexuality is to be only in marriage between one man and one woman for for life anything that is different from that is a condemnation that 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 person that situation would receive a condemnation. God makes that very clear very clear, and yes, even toward these types of relationships that are being desired from the, the uh, desire to have sex change. We know what's behind that. It, it's, it's a desire to want to do what you want to do with your body, not just physically, but sexually. Yeah. When Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, what did the Jews try to do to him? What did the Jews try to do to Lazarus?
1: They
0: wanted to kill him again. Yeah. There Lazarus is. He's been dead. Jesus raised him from the dead. Then you get over. That's John 11. Get into John 12. And Lazarus is eating a meal. And the Jews are seeking to kill him. Why? Why do they want to kill Lazarus? To get rid of that evidence. He raise the dead. Right. To get rid of the evidence. And that evidence showed what? Hmm. Power of God in Jesus. Which proved that he, of course, is the Christ, the Son of God. They wanted to kill the evidence. Okay, This is what disturbs the world today as well. Men and women are created by God. We have various distinctions. It's really wonderful. It's, it's really an amazing thought. Can you, can you just stand back and think about how amazing it is that our bodies work, generally speaking, until it's time for us not to be here anymore. But generally, we don't have to think about our body. Our bodies just work. We don't have to think about our eyes blinking. We don't have to think about breathing. We don't have to think about getting hungry. We don't have to think. We just, we just take off and walk. We take off and get a drink of water. It's just a machine that continues to work. And then God worked it out that male and female can come together and create a family and raise children who can do the same thing. Now, all that points to God to any good-hearted, open-minded person. The world's trying to do the same thing today. They're trying to kill the evidence. They're trying to smear what God has created. God's created. God's creation will always point back to Him. The more you study it, the more you study the human body, the more you would just study the interactions of human beings, the more you're amazed. The more you're amazed at what God has created. But the devil wants to see that creation smeared, corrupted, uh, denounced. Okay. Just like Sheila was saying a moment ago, that would, that would be something popular for people to say. I have a defect. Something's not right with me. Okay, But that's not true. The truth is God made you just exactly the way He wanted you to be. With, with the features, the weaknesses, and he wants you to be able to notice this, go to his word, learn how to serve him, honor him, David, and, David, and be happy. Cells,
1: someone can get me with the name of it, but it's in the shape of a cross
0: where all four cells can been together throughout our whole body. I forget the name of it, but... Every cell in our body is connected with a cross when He created us. Well, our medical doctor's right there. But, anyway, there's no doubt that the human body is one of the greatest machines ever uh, created. And we had nothing to do with it.
1: David, I hate to bring up politics, but daily call. Sports and bathrooms and locker rooms approved by Chuck Schumer and and Joe Lyon. So they want to do more of it.
0: Yeah. But the main thing for us is it's here and it's going to be pushed our way. If we think it's getting pushed now, think about what our children are going to be facing. okay? And then their children.
1: Well,
0: that doesn't mean L-A-M-I-N-I-N is
1: the name of the cross.
0: All of ourselves are connected by Okay. But, you know, my, my thought is that I want us to be able to discuss this and persuade... And to first be firm in our faith that we don't, the Bible's always right. It always will be right. And we stick with, with that. And uh, we calmly learn what the Bible says. And then we persuade. But well, we can't remain silent. We're not necessarily through with this discussion. Nathan's saying that um, Paul had to deal with this kind of corruption in Corinth. Absolutely. And the Christians had to had to stand up against it. There. So, whether it's next week or it's uh, at some point, we, we need to discuss some of this further because um, people will try to use the Bible to... Uh, support their corruption and the Bible in no way does that but we need to address some of those matters um, one fellow I heard on the uh, news the other day said not only is transgenderism uh, a good thing he said that actually Christians if they're truly, they truly love God would support transgenderism So, so
1: it's, it's appropriate that uh, this lesson is, is taught in the church.
0: Well, and nothing that Satan does is ever brought to us under the uh, banner of corruption. It's always brought as something good, something acceptable, something God himself uh, would accept. So uh, we need to uh, explore that at a future date, perhaps next week we have that opportunity.